0: Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We're really glad you're here, and we'd love it if you leave a rating and review. It takes like 30 seconds. It helps us know what you think of the podcast so that we can continue to make it better. And when you leave a rating and review, it helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry content on their podcast platform. So thank you for doing that. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood. With me today producer Nathan what's up how's it going it's good man glad to see you we uh we are continuing our pattern of being yeah. around the same table in person in person yeah so we're it's great a lot most of our guests as is the case today are elsewhere they are uh, coming with us on this journey via zoom or Zencaster or whatever platform we have but Nathan and I get to be in this in the same room so we're thankful for that uh, I'm super excited about today's episode it's going to be a good one. Uh it is. put on your thinking caps, I think this is going to be one that student pastors that I think you're going to want to even go back and listen to. Take some notes along the way. Of course, if you're driving, we don't recommend you taking notes while you while you drive or Not if you're like yeah, riding your bike or something. Mm-hmm. Mental mental notes. Mental mental notes. Right. So, I want to introduce you to our guest today, JC Groves. He is married. He and Kim have been together 17 years. They have six children. We'll get to that in just, <laughs> in just a minute, J.C., uh, because that I'm sure that they they keep you quite busy because um, I know what my life is like with four. So uh, six kids. Uh, J.C. has been in ministry full time for 22 years. The majority of that time has been in student ministry, uh, serving student and college. Uh, so we're going to get into that with J.C. In August of 2022, J.C. and Kim felt a calling Uh, to take the step of faith back to North Georgia and begin planting Hope Church that will launch in early 2023. JC is one of the hosts of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Three pastors started the podcast in January 2020, and to date there are almost 3 million downloads. Each week they talk about topics that deal with legalism in the church. They want to help and encourage those who have Uh, Whose lives have been negatively affected by fundamentalist legalism in the church and challenge those who promote tradition over scripture. JC's passion is to see people not only meet Jesus, but to grow in their faith through discipleship. His desire is to keep you laughing while presenting the truth of the word in a fresh, practical way. And that's true. If you go and listen to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, all of those things are true. Uh, It is both a good laugh and really really solid conversation every time so JC welcome to the the podcast glad you're here
1: Ben Nathan thank you so much for having me on today big fan of the podcast glad I could be here as a guest this is an honor
0: yeah man thanks for doing it and uh so six kids yes sir you have well, <laughs> let, let's hear the age span
1: I have no idea um <laughs> let's see they are uh my oldest is 13. My youngest is four. Three boys are the oldest. Three girls are the youngest. Moose, Butters, Bubba, Sissy, Tink, and Little Red. That's how I remember them. Uh-huh. And I, I, I youth pastored in Utah for three years, and so it was in the water, I guess. That's that's what we tell everybody. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Over there, they're like, oh, you just <laughs> have six? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. Well, man, um, I think this is going to be a great discussion today. Uh, your work with the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and your role as a student pastor, college pastor for mm-hmm. so many years, kind of put this idea in in my head to have a conversation of, okay, if we're seeing young adults, uh, and I think it's creeping younger, but mainly yeah. young adults going through this deconstruction phase. Now, I'll be the first, and we even shared this on email, that word carries a lot of baggage. Sure I don't is. know that I'm the biggest fan of that particular word. But for lack of a better term, yeah. we have young adults who are looking at the faith that they grew up with and asking serious questions about it, and sometimes that leads them to take steps away from their faith instead of towards it. Yeah. So I thought we could have a conversation on, man, what can we do in student ministry to curb that, to address it earlier, to help teenagers Avoid those later years Mm. of, quote, deconstruction.
1: Yeah. I feel like that has become a buzzword that a lot of people are just going to when they're dissatisfied with their religious upbringing. There's something that they don't like. I know in the world that we live in with the podcast, um, we are dealing with a lot of people in that world who have been. uh, Here's another word I don't necessarily like, but church hurt. Um, A lot of times, you know, and and granted, it is a very real thing. Church hurt is a real thing. Um, I've been hurt by the church at times. You have. We all have a story of that. But I think what happens is it becomes a crutch in a way to almost just kind of lay down and say, I'm not doing anything religious anymore and and here's everything that was wrong with my upbringing. Um I like to say with folks that are on the podcast cuz we have folks every day that are like hey I'm just I'm starting this deconstruction from my faith. I'm like no no no. You're starting a deconstruction from the ideologies, the legalism, the religious traditionalism that you know and you're starting to find a relationship a scripture that is applied to your life, not what some person made as a biblical standard. That's the world that we find, especially in student ministry, because the cultures we grew up in, in my context, it was a lot, of, a lot of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts that yeah. were placed as biblical standards. And man, I, I can be honest. I get why a lot of people say, I don't want anything to do with God if that's the God that I'm supposed to be following Because or uh, my faith is deconstructing because that's not who our faith is supposed to be in, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. And so I'm glad you said that because there is a lot of baggage with that deconstruction word and, yeah. and it's not all bad. Like I think we, as student pastors, we would all say it's a healthy process. Sure, it is for you to evaluate what you're taking in, the mm-hmm. influences of your life, and filter it through Scripture and say what needs to say and, and what needs to stay and what needs to go. Like, yeah, there is a healthy breaking down that all of us, I think, should should walk through.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So I'm, glad
0: you, I'm glad you bring that up. There, there is a healthy side to it. Um, I think what we obviously want to avoid in student ministry is creating an environment where later people say, What in the world was that? Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't want to be a part of a faith that taught that or yeah. led me to those experiences. So what are some you you have the unique vision of seeing people on both sides of this working mm-hmm. with teenagers and then walking with young adults through through some of this. Yeah. So what would you say in the student ministry years are some things that happen that might cause this walking away or drifting away yeah. later on?
1: I think there's two things that tend to come up a lot. One is traditions Two, it's Bible stories, and let me me break that down. I think we get so used to the Bible stories that are taught that it doesn't apply to life. They're just stories from Scripture that we hear taught in a non-practical way, from student ministry years, where it's just Bible that's presented as a flannel graph, if you will, and not what that story could mean in my life. I remember the first time when I was probably 14 that I heard somebody teach Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego your age. I always thought of like some 30 year old dude that walked around with a man dress and, you know, like they, he's like some big guy. But when I brought that in, that he's your age. This is their act of faith. And here's how you yeah. can have that faith. It really started opening my eyes to like, wow, the Bible really is active and breathing and living. And I think what happens in student ministry with good intention, but it tends to come across as just Bible stories. And then there's traditions. I mean, every church has its own traditions, you know, that, you know, if it's lighting candles or if it's singing certain songs or if it's, you know, we, we all have these traditions. And so our Faith is built on Bible stories and traditions, Mm. and there's no depth that's there. One of the things that we started doing years ago was I started making this claim. We want you to own your faith, not my faith. My faith growing up was my youth pastor's faith. And guess what? My youth pastor got in a lot of trouble. My senior year, he went to prison for murder. That's a whole different podcast right yeah. there. But yeah, that's a that's a whole different episode. Oh, we'll be coming, that turn. coming 2023. <laughs> um, but listen, that my faith in that moment was rocked, bro. Because Absolutely. my whole world was like, this is my youth pastor. He's obviously got a connection with God because he teaches the word, but yet I realized he's a really rough dude. He's a man. He's made some mistakes. He's in prison for the rest of his life. And that's when I realized, unfortunately it was my senior year of high school that I've got to own my faith. So what I've been teaching for years is, Hey, I don't want you to have my faith, your mom and dad's faith, the preacher's faith, have your own faith. And what does that look like And the young people that we're seeing that own their faith? I believe if you can, if we can get them to start owning it younger the less they will walk away from it because it's their faith. It's not stories. It's not traditions. It's not fun and games. It's my faith. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally does. How would you, how would you say, okay, this is a way that we can help students approach the Bible. That's, that's not Bible stories. That's just not, Hey, this happened and it was good. Yeah. But that helps them internalize and begin to own.
1: I think every Bible story you have to practically apply. I mean, you can look at everything from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love teaching story. That's how I teach just through storytelling. But every aspect of a Bible story— is applicable to a teenager, a middle schooler, a high schooler's life. Zacchaeus, you know, his whole world, his identity was wrapped up in what he owned, who he was. And, you know, yet he had this massive void in his life, applying that to their life. And I think if you present it in such a way to where it's not just Bible stories, but it's applicable Bible stories to help us grow in life, that's where the light switch will come on and be like, okay, the scripture really is for me, not my mom and dad. Yeah.
0: As you have talked with uh, college students and you've seen people kind of on the other side of this, what are some of the things that they talk about that, that were the sticking points for them? Because if we're, if the point is, okay, in student ministry, we know this is happening to some degree right now with people that are old, young adults, whatever, Mm -hmm. what can we do now to correct? What's the antidote that we can deliver now?
1: Yeah.
0: What are some of the things that are sticking out to you that people are bringing up that have been have been the stumbling blocks so to speak.
1: It really blew my mind when I started in with college ministry and realizing how many church kids, how many youth group kids don't have a faith that is solid. They get into one philosophy class, they get into one conversation with somebody that's not a follower of Jesus. And man, their faith has turned into Swiss cheese. They have no clue what they stand on, why they stand on it. And so what we are finding, though, is those who have a strong, vibrant faith— there was a relationship that was built with a leader. Um, there was someone that took the time to pour into them to invest in their lives. And I believe that's where practicality, there was feet put to a message. It was a leader that said, hey, I'm going to take the time to invest in you and let you not just hear this, but watch it lived out. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, yeah. you know, we, we would see these college students come in and I'll be honest with you, I was floored how many college students had a very, very shallow faith. I mean, they're a mile wide, but an inch deep. You know, it's like they're trying to build these skyscraper type Christian experiences on a chicken coop. I mean, they have no foundation at all yeah. because it's very, very shallow. And the the ones that we would see come to faith in Jesus, it was like, man, their eyes were open. They're like, this is what owning my faith looks like. And I believe it's, it's you know, when they have those practical applications, now the kids coming in, the college students coming in that were solid. There's always, always, always a leader or a parent or a youth pastor that invested in their life beyond just youth groups. Yeah. Always.
0: You know, the the student ministry formula, we've talked a lot on the podcast at different moments. We like to make it too complicated. Yeah, we do. And it just comes down to a person influencing and discipling another person. Yep. Uh, And you know, all of the events and things, if done right, they're not bad. Mm -mm. They they provide atmospheres, environments where those relationships can take further root. But the essence is not the stuff. Mm. It years later, they don't remember the stuff. They remember the people. That's exactly that right. had influence. And it That's just Exactly right. It's we come back to this so often because we do we do tend to make it more complicated than it needs to be.
1: I have teenagers that, you know, their kids are in youth groups now. That that makes you feel old, but they don't remember the stupid games which are fun to do. I'm not saying there's yeah. anything wrong with that. They don't remember the the activities. They remember the one-on-one conversations. They remember when life was hard, you were there with the verse. You walked with me through my parents' divorce. You walked with me when my dad died. You you know, I mean it's those moments that I believe student ministry is at its most. You're helping them see what faith put to action looks like, yeah. not just teaching at them. You're walking with them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times it's that one-on-one they feel comfortable enough to ask the why. And I think yeah. that's where it really helps their faith go deeper and become their own is when you just start asking, well, why is this? And then you get to dr- dive in deeper uh, into you know who God is. And to me, it was all to me whenever I started asking why I was more learning more about his sovereignty and those kind of things, which really helped, you know, my own faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, there's that vulnerability, right? That that only comes with time and mm-hmm. relationship that gets yeah. you to the point where you're as a teenager yeah. willing to put yourself out there and ask the question.
1: I think another thing is not feeling like, as a youth leader, listening, not feeling like you have to have all the answers, yes. but being able to say, "I don't know," or "Let's figure that out together." When they see that, that's the difference in my youth pastor. I thought he knew everything, and then when he fell, it was like, "Oh my goodness, what what is my faith built on right now?" But to get leaders that walk with it, to like, you know what, I don't, I don't know that. Let's learn that together, or, you know, I, I'm. I'm confused about this also, they hear that human side of us and that we're still growing in our faith, even as adults, that's very vulnerable and transparent goes a long way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, we are in a place where it's just impossible to know the answer to every question that's being asked, And that's only going to increase. Like with, (laughs) with the way the culture is right now, there are going to be questions that you can't possibly be prepared for every one of those at every moment.
1: And you can't sneak anything by them because they can fact check you in real time. <laughs> I oh, mean, used right. to, you could teach something and they're like, Oh, okay. Now they just pull out Google and be like, no, that story's off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Correct. You. Yeah. If you're ever having a conversation and they reach for their phone and it's Google,
1: you're done. You're like, <laughs> you're like, oh man. You better uh, hope you spoke right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. JC. I wonder, um, it's a little branch off here, uh, from our topic, but, I think valuable to ask you have transitioned into church planter mode. Yeah. Um, I have long thought and I've had several friends who we came up as student pastors together and are now pastoring places. Uh, and I have watched them and I have seen it come true over and over again that you can't really take the student pastor out of somebody. Mm -mm. So my, my question for you is, how well I've also thought and and have we've talked about it here the student pastor next to the senior pastor probably has more reach and influence in the body of the church uh, any yeah. one person outside of the senior pastor himself just because of yeah. the connection with families and parents and leaders and all of that and it is a uh, a good, I don't I don't think we would ever say student ministry is the training ground to be a pastor, but that doesn't mean it's not a a bad training. It is sure. still a good training ground. Sure. So I wonder like what have you kept from your student ministry years that's like, oh man, I can nail this as a church planner because. <laughs>
1: yeah. Listen, I this is the last thing I ever wanted to do <laughs> or thought I would do. I'll be yeah. straight up honest with you like I wanted to be a student pastor for life. I mean, th- that's my dream. I love student college ministry. I took a pause and planted a campus of a of a multi site church. But the good thing about that, I was there for ten years. For eight of the ten years that I was there. I was both the student pastor and the campus pastor. I hired a guy and literally about two weeks after we hired him, his wife passed away. Mm-hmm. And so he stepped away. So right at the beginning of this new church plan, I was able to step in and be the campus pastor and the student pastor. I did that for seven years. I was killing myself and burning the candle on both ends. Do not recommend doing that, but I was able to bring students in and then pastor their parents at the same time. And so it was kind of like a, a win win. And that's why the church grew, um, you know, <laughs> stepping out of student ministry into this world. Um, I don't see anything changing. Uh, the sermons may get a little bit more pontificating on esoteric theories. I don't know, you know, um, like it's uh, a, it, it, there's no lock-ins with church planning. So yeah. I, I'm not sad good about course. that. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> um, Honestly, the things that I learned, I, I, I've never, never viewed student ministry as a stepping stool to yeah. the senior pastorate. Um, I think if that's your your motive, you probably should just go and be a senior pastor and never even bother ministering to students because they can tell and they know yeah. you're just using them to get your reps in for experience. That's trash. Sorry, Amen. just bluntly speaking. <laughs> um, you. But but you know, stepping into this, I'm gonna be honest with you, Ben. I've only been doing this for six weeks we started six weeks ago with this church plant and, uh, we've had two gatherings as our new church plant. And, uh, both of them have looked almost identical to our student ministry, music playing, we eat food, we talk, we break into small group. And I'm like, Hey, this is community. It's, it's the way I know how to do it. So let's start a church like this. So yeah, I was that's, uh, ask you
0: if you had ordered food for it, cause that's,
1: yeah, a- well, listen, God bless me with a wife. <laughs> Not only can she make babies, but she can make good food. And uh, yeah. so we've eaten both times and it's, Good food and community, that's all I know how to do. so I'm like, this is how we're gonna launch it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, man you you served uh, in Utah as well. Yeah, um so a vastly different ministry wow. landscape than than Ch- the Chattanooga area. Totally different., um, and so I wonder in our conversation about fundamentalism uh, and tradition sometimes superseding scripture, and that causing some mm. deconstruction, man. Utah has its own uniqueness because, man, there's a, there are a lot of tr- religious tradition True. in the culture. Uh, yeah, and so how how does how does that ministry environment affect the way mm-hmm. that you did ministry there, particularly in this in this conversation?
1: Yeah, the things that I wanted, you know, that was thirteen years ago. And I think, you know, 13 years ago, this word deconstruction, you just didn't really hear a lot about. Um, I took things from North Georgia to Utah, and I was like, oh, we're about to win all these Mormons to Jesus. We're about to win all these teenagers, and this is going to be great. And then I got out there and realized real quick that my faith is even as a student pastor is not strong enough for what these teenagers are facing. Mm -hmm. Um, The word deconstruct out there, man, they to be a follower of Jesus as a student in that culture, your faith, you've got to, you've got to know, I'm telling you, if you put a young person from that, that culture in the South where we're at, they would be heads above all of the young people here, just in the strength of their faith, because they really do every day have to give an answer for why they believe what they believe. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, um, there there's, there's questions that they face with knowing scripture because the culture they're in knows scripture as well, but rightly dividing scripture. They, the questions got so deep that I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this as a youth pastor. Cause you know, I don't know yeah. the culture yet. Um, but man, we got out there and watching those teenagers own their faith in such a way that it was depth and understanding this is what scripture means more than just surface level. I got to know why I believe this, because I'm going to face it at lunch tomorrow. We're going to have a conversation about a Bible verse about faith. This was yeah. one that we always faced all the time. Culture out there is for by grace, are you safe through faith? But they add in only after you've done all you can do. So it becomes a very workspace. Well, then I get teenagers that are like, so am I earning this? Like, what does that mean done all you can do? And we're like, hey, it's by grace through faith. And so they're having to go to school at math and English and social studies and Bible and give an answer for what they believe in. And so I, I really think honestly out there, those young people that are bought in and know Jesus, they are. They're defending their faith, and it may be easier when they get to college to take a stand because they've been doing that all through high school. <laughs> yeah, so, but it was a it was a unique culture to be part of um, learning what I had to uh, in a way the the surface level student ministry in the south. Yeah, out there, I feel like now coming back um, that that few years out of student ministry coming back a lot of that culture mindset has slipped into the south it's becoming a lot more further from bible beltish if you know what i mean and so a lot of those questions are starting to come up but it's not nearly what it was out west
0: man what would you say uh as as you just mentioned that the bible belt is becoming less so yeah and certainly we've we've seen evidence of that like Nathan and i are here in nashville mm-hmm. and it is becoming to you, it is becoming less Bible Beltish. Yeah. The assumption of you go to church, or even the assumption of you have a basic Bible knowledge yeah. because you live here, is is going away. Yeah. So where I, do you see the the future? Like, I know nobody has a crystal ball. Sure. So I'm not. I'm not. Uh, we're not going to write this down and come back to it in a few years. But having served out west and being in the young adult college ministry, student ministry, if you could chart the course on where ministry is going and the kind of ministry that really is going to last and create disciples, where where would you say that's going to go?
1: I see it going back to what we just spoke of a minute ago, personal ministry. Mm -hmm. It's not lights and smoke and big, exciting come and experience hype, um, we have seen it getting back to personal evangelism, personal conversations, personal growth, um, that one-on-one relationship. Uh, I believe one of the reasons we're seeing what the attitude out West is coming here, it's becoming a lot more, um, uh, Post-Christian, they they just they don't go to church. They don't see the need to read their Bible. They have no desire to have that relationship with Jesus. And so, getting to students more than getting their friends to come and sit through a three songs and a sermon, they're not listening to that music. They're not. They don't want to hear that message. Going and meeting them where they were at. One of the things that we did here before we before we moved down south, um, every Thursday morning we were gathering at McDonald's. And just eating breakfast together, I'd share a Bible verse and ask them, what does that mean to you? We'd have 60, 75, 80 students show up. They wow. knew we had order at 715. McDonald's hated us, but I mean, we're packed out. <laughs> and then I was like, but one of the reasons for free breakfast is I'm gonna read a Bible verse. I'm gonna ask you what it meant. These students would never it's like I had two youth groups, yeah. one on our Sunday night they would never come to the church and then the McDonald's youth group. And it was a group of kids that were uh, learning. They had no clue what the the traditions were, if you will. Now they started trickling into youth group, but food is what brought them in. And I was like, okay, let's, let's start building those relationships there. And I think what we're seeing is just, 90s way of doing student ministry. I loved it. It was easy. You could put some pizza in a lock-in and a couple games, eat some bananas through pantyhose, and you're good to go. It just <laughs> doesn't appeal to them anymore. And there's a, a a desire I'm finding in students to go deeper into yeah. the word, to read the Bible and apply that to their life in a, a practical way.
0: It's incredible that you picked the banana through the pantyhose. <laughs> there are a lot of options there.
1: I hate that game. That's why. Uh,
0: that one's rough. The other the mountain shoe is one that uh, you mm. pass no. the shoe around. You're drinking Mountain Dew out of somebody's Out of shoe. a sock?
1: Yeah. Have you ever done that one? Yeah. Oh, man. That, I'm
0: good if those go away forever. I think we're I'm, we're better for it.
1: I stopped doing games. Now, listen, I love games. I think they're great, but we just, I was like, why are we wasting $50 on Chick-fil-A gift cards? And nobody wants to play these things. It's just something that we've been doing because it's what we've always done. So we did away with them for a little bit and nobody missed them. And I was like, we're just not going to do games
0: anymore. <laughs> we're just not, not going to bring them back.
1: Yep. What was COVID
0: for a lot of people. We're just uh-huh. going to stop doing this and see if people notice. And then we're not. Exactly. Bring it back.
1: Now, somebody just got upset because their whole ministry <laughs> is based on games. I love it. If it's working for you, do it. Don't write me an email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to somebody who uh, takes maybe a, a, a different approach and is like, hey, tradition's really good. And yeah. there are some positives about it. About tradition and like, Hey, the, you know, the other side of the argument, I, I happen to agree with you. The other side of the argument is, man, if we, if we don't give teenagers do's and don'ts, like somebody's got to, yeah. this, this is the moment where they, the Bible gives us do's and don'ts. Amen. So why shouldn't we pass those, that, those on? Yeah. What's the diff? What's the difference between a healthy view of that and an one that would stretch into legalism?
1: I think if you're if you're teaching scripture in its full context, it's going to have the correct do's and don'ts. It's when you start adding to the do's and don'ts that you're going to lose them that you're going to get into that legalistic tendency there's nothing wrong with tradition listen i'm going to want a kid i'm i'm thankful um, for i'm thankful for some of the traditions that's where i learned the scripture my brain it's king james version when i start quoting scripture why because of, of because <laughs> of sparks and cubbies and pals and pioneers and you know game time and listen oh, I, i'm I'm thankful for that tradition, and I don't want you to hear me say just completely do away with that, sit in a room and read the Bible with a candle burning. No, that's weird, but with the traditions, make sure they're applicable to a teenager's life, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it not being hype because everything in their world is hype, 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 Mm -hmm. and what happens when the hype fades what remains? What are we producing? Are we producing young people that know Jesus, that know the word, that understand the gospel is not just what gets us in, but what carries us through life? Like, are we presenting truth that they can build a life on? Some of us do a really good job with missions. And so our whole group is built on missions. And if we have a work day, everybody's showing up and we're doing missions. And that's what makes us feel like we've got this. But everything else is crumbling. It's like pillars, you know, of a house. And so I I don't think there's anything wrong with tradition. Just make sure your tradition is pointing people to Jesus. And when they're not with you anymore, they're able to still hold true to the scripture and not your tradition. Yeah.
0: You have, I I love what you guys do with the recovering fundamentalist podcast. I think that's, it's such a good title. Hmm. Uh,
1: I'm glad and, you like it. Some don't. <laughs> some
0: don't I'm sure. And I would love. Uh, well, and I, man, I think some people probably don't like that title because they attach fundamentalist to people that they respected of a certain generation. You're right. And they say, "Oh, don't hate on," and yep. then they say the name of the person that would have. But there's, but that's a different thing. we're not sure. talking about people, we're talking about an ideology, yeah, and so you guys, it's very clear i listeners to this podcast, I would encourage you to go scroll the titles and pick one and listen to it that might interest you because I think it's clear that this is something you guys do as a ministry. it's not just. Hey, we're three pastors that are bitter about the way we grew up. No. And so we we talk about how things were done wrong. Quote back then. Yeah, that's not your approach. Your approach very is very much there. Is a group of people who struggle, have struggled, are struggling with some of these things. So let's talk about it in an open way. So I would love to hear, uh, and I know you guys do like you do the podcast, but you also like go and do live stuff and you, you interact with people. I would love to hear some of the stories of how your work through the podcast and your other two hosts have ministered and pastored to people along the way.
1: Oh my goodness. So we, we started just real quickly to kind of set it up with what you did. I appreciate you giving the plug there. We, this conversation is one that Brian Edwards, Nathan Cravat and myself we've been having this conversation for 20 plus years. We we grew up in this legalistic, man-made ideology world. And about 4 years ago we said let's stick a microphone in front of our face cuz i think there's some other people that would want to join this conversation. Yeah. So we stuck it in front of our face and my goodness, it's just blown up and and <laughs> the the people that are reaching out to us daily are are messages from folks who grew up dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, teetotaling because that's what their preacher told them to do, but they never applied scripture for themselves. And what we find is stories of people who in a way over the last four years have deconstructed, if you will, but I think what it is and what I like to say, we have recovered our faith. Mm. Um, This podcast for me, Nathan and Brian has been a deconstruction, if you will, from legalism. And the reason we put recovering fundamentalist is because, listen, my go-to is legalism. My go-to is my first go-to is because it's in my brain is, oh, that's wrong you know because somebody said it was and i believed them and you know but then when i read scripture i find that man there's freedom in jesus that doesn't give us a license to go do things but there's freedom in him and what really set it for me was when i learned to live from acceptance rather than for acceptance mm-hmm. and in this world uh especially speaking in the podcast world where we're at recovering fundamentalists we're le- we're living to promote a we've got it all figured out. Everything's good because we're doing what the pastor says to do. And, you know, uh, he says, don't wear shorts. We're not wearing shorts. I swam in blue jeans when I was a teenager. (laughs) Why did I swim in blue jeans? Because our pastor said, this is what the Bible says, showing your leg is nakedness. So I swam in blue jeans. You want to talk about chafing, bro. That's on a whole different level at Whitewater with blue jeans on. Like, But then I'm like, wait a second that's not in the Bible. What are we talking about? Yeah. You know, um, we get stories and, and I could tell you, oh man, there are so many, oh, we we have people who, um, I went to high school with college with, um, that were pushed away from God because the tradition that they were in was so overbearing that you couldn't meet the standard yeah. um we have uh, I just had a lunch and I, I won't say a name but we just had a lunch a couple days ago with a guy that has literally been an atheist for the last 10 years he said if that's the God that 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 we preach about that I grew up believing in I don't want anything to do with and he's been listening to the podcast and he got into scripture himself what do I read? He's been reading through the book of Galatians. We've been walking through this together, and he's like, "Man, I'm I'm realizing who the God of the Bible is, wow. the God that loves me." Um, we have that conversation a lot. We have people whose family dads have preached this so so powerfully, like it's Bible, that have called us and said, you have no idea what it was like to grow up in this family. And hearing y'all say this, I knew that there was a different way, a better way. Thanks for bringing words to what I've been feeling. We hear that all the time. Y'all are giving a voice to what I've been trying to get to for so long. And um, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people that can't say they listen to the podcast because they would be shunned they would be outcasted you know and we knew when we started this this was a line in the sand moment uh we knew that this podcast there's no going back we're not getting invited to the camp meetings and the, the some <laughs> of the conventions and the conferences and but we're good with that and it's just been incredible to see people understand Jesus and the relationship that they want with that they can have with him and the acceptance of who they are not having to earn it from him, but yeah. living from that. It's, it's just been incredible. There are way too many stories to sit here and pinpoint one of them. Sure. And there's some of them that are in so much detail. If I told you some of them, you'd be like, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and I'll be honest. We've there's people that are still in, and this is the thing. And I want to say this very, very strongly. One of the things that we get told a lot is that we are against the independent fundamental Baptist church, that we are against fundamentalism. We have never said one time in 137 episodes, leave the IFB, do a different church, go a different right. place. We want you to stay, understand what scripture is, have your own faith, make a change from within. We believe there's a historical precedence for this podcast. We're, it's a reformation in certain ways, and we're kind of redeeming the fundamentals from the in a way, the perversion of the fundamentals, bringing it back to what the Bible says, is our fundamental faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. it is uh, the the fundamentalism, the natural drift towards legalism, is not a new thing. Mm-mm. I mean, the Pharisees like that—that yeah. that was the issue, right? It was. Yep. We've got to add and on and add on and add on. You used a phrase just a second ago. Uh, I won't remember it exactly, but basically they realized growing up in that that they'll never reach the standard yeah it's and miserable. that's and it's miserable and that's the exact moment that people need to know that's why jesus
1: amen like yep. that's
0: it like we we can't reach the standard and so what we see happening in some places now is is a replacement of old testament new testament pharisaical legalism with just our new stuff. Yeah. We put our new our new spin and our new things on it. And I think like in student ministry, I go back and look at ministries that I've led and like did I unintentionally head towards this direction? And I think to give people the benefit of the doubt, I think when student ministry begins to lean this way, it is most often unintentional. I agree. And I think it's because it's easy to track. Yeah, Like it's easy as a student pastor to say, okay, if my students are doing these things and they are not doing these things, then I am creating disciples that people are going, growing and and more closely to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that might be true, but it might also be that we're just only talking about don't do these things and yes, do these things rather than let's grow closely with Jesus and the things kind of take care of themselves over here. Yeah. And it's a very, because it's trackable, I think it unintentionally seeps into a lot of
1: places. It's behavior modification. Yeah. We get them to do what we want them to do. We say, Oh, look at the tangible change right there, but there's no growth. They're just doing what we think is the check mark for spirituality. Yeah. That's good.
0: It's a trap. Oh, it is. That's for sure. Well, JC, man, I'm super thankful that you were willing to come on the podcast, uh, share your story, your insight. Thanks for what you guys do with Recovering Fundamentalist. And man, I wish you well in the church planting journey. That's only six weeks old.
1: It's terrifying, (laughs) but we're excited. Thanks for having me on today. I really enjoy this podcast. It's been been an honor.
0: Good, man. Thanks for being here. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time.